I thought about get strong, you know, but that's not real proper English, and I know some of y'all, that would drive you crazy, and so, um, but I want to talk about getting strong in your spirit, building a strong spirit. You know, Ephesians 2.10, I'm, I'm going to give you this scripture, you'll see it again at the end, it's in your outline at the end, but, it's, but Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. God wants you and I to be strong. And so Ephesians 3.16, he says this, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources. How many of you know God's resources aren't limited like ours are? We, we put a limit on what God can do. We, we, we put a limit on what we think God can do based on what we can do. And, and so uh, we, we put a limit on what God can afford based on our checkbook, not his. He's got a bigger checkbook than us. Somebody else say, uh-huh. And, uh, and so he says, I pray that from God's glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength. Circle that in your, on your notes, with inner strength through his spirit. That's talking about through the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so we're going to talk about that inner strength that God gives us. And, and so we want to uh, look at some things. But before we go further, we've got we've to answer this question. Do we really want to get stronger? Do we really want to get stronger? And the reason we've got to make the decision because growing stronger in the Lord doesn't just happen automatically. It doesn't happen on its own. It doesn't happen by accident. You get stronger by intentionally deciding, I'm going to do the things. I'm going to press into God. I'm going to do the things it takes to get stronger. It's like you're working out. You know, if you're, if you're working out, if you want to get stronger muscular-wise, you've got to lift some weights, right? You know, and, uh, and, and so you, you get stronger by working out or working hard and, and things like that. And and so it's the same way with us. And so tonight, we're going to learn a few lessons from the strongest guy that ever lived. How many of you know who that is? Samson. That's right, Samson. We're going to learn some lessons from Samson. He's the strongest guy that ever lived and the weakest guy all at one, point, all at one time. Uh, he was physically strong, but he had some glaring weaknesses. And, and so we're going to look at the source of his weaknesses uh, so we can learn from it. You can find Samson's story as reading it. Uh, through the whole thing again today in Judges 13, 14, 15, and 16. I mean, this dude's got four chapters written about him. And, uh, and so, you know, it's an amazing story, but a sad one at the same time. And so we're going to look at three attitudes that Samson had that we don't want to have, and then we're going to look at some habits that we can develop that will help us not have those attitudes and help us finish strong, start strong, stay strong, and finish strong. The Bible says John the Baptist was strong in the spirit, that he had a strong spirit, and we want to be that way. We want you to be strong in spirit as well. So let's look at some attitudes that weaken our spirit. We can see these in the life of Samson. Like I said, physically Samson was like Rambo, you know, or or Terminator, you know, and and uh, just all strong, you know. I mean, he was he was the strongest guy. I mean, but spiritually he was like Pee Wee Herman. I mean, he was nothing. And, uh, and, and so he was a weakling, a wimp. Uh, he couldn't resist anything. He had everything going for him. He had talent. He had looks. He was, I mean, he was called by God. He had strength. God blessed him in so many ways. And he started off early with some successes. I mean, he kind of defeated the Philistines a few times. And, and, uh, but then, uh, you know, he became a failure. He, he, he began to make decisions that took him away from God and until he ended up where he was a total failure, and he had been had his eyes poked out and totally failed God until he repented 
at the end of his life. He just woke up one day, and his, his strength was gone. I mean, you know, he started making these bad decisions. And the bad thing is, is Samson didn't even realize the Lord had left him. And I tell you what, I don't, I don't ever want to feel the Lord leave me, but I definitely want to be spiritually at a point where I would know if he was, you know what I'm saying? And, and so Samson didn't even know that God, God had left him, and so he gets up thinking he's all that, and he gets captured, and, uh, and that's when they did the torturing. And so Samson chose a lifestyle that sapped his spiritual strength. So I want us to look at that so that we don't get into it. He fell into some traps. And so there's three traps we're going to look at. One is self-indulgence. Look at that. Self-indulgence weakens your spirit. You see that in Samson's life. It's highlighted in in chapter 14, verses 1 through 20. I'm not going to read them all. But Samson led a very indulgent life. He was undisciplined, and he lived by his feelings, by his emotions. His biggest weakness was women. Some people, it's wine, women, and song. Samson, it was women, women, and women. He was, he, there's three women that are outlined in here that he fell for that cost him greatly. And, uh, and so he goes from one bad relationship to another. And, uh, and so he just he was a womanizer on steroids. He was a bad dude when it came to that. And, and then he meets Delilah, you know, who, who basically brings him to an end. I mean, but before Delilah, he sees a woman in the Philistine camp. And here's just an example of his indulgence. It said when he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah uh, caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. Does that sound like a three-year-old? Get it for me, Daddy? You know what I mean? He just was, and that's the way he was. He was just so self-indulgent. And, and there were a lot of problems with his choice. One, the girl wasn't Jewish. Different faith. And God had told the Jews, you don't intermarry with people of another faith. And uh, she wasn't the woman God chose for him. But she looked good to Samson, and she was beautiful. And Samson had, to, like most guys, ladies, I tell all the young girls this, Samson, like most guys, had the wrong thing on his mind. And, uh, and most boys do too. So there's nothing wrong with being beautiful or anything like that. There's even nothing wrong with sex. God created it for marriage, for husbands and wives. But anything uh, that gets out of control, whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's relationships or whatever it is, weakens you spiritually. And so the first trap of indulgence, self-indulgence, weakens your spirit when you make decisions based on pleasure rather than on principle. Write this down. Making decisions based on pleasure instead of principle weakens your spirit. And when you decide, hey, this feels good, this is what I'm going to do, instead of on what's right and wrong, you're in trouble. You're slipping. And uh, you start making it on convenience instead of uh, conviction. So Samson sees a woman. He doesn't pay attention to she, her faith, her family, her character. He doesn't even check to see if she'd be the right one for him. He just said, she looks good, I want her. He was, he was terrible, and he was very self-indulgent So um, with food and, and women and everything. So he ignores uh, you know, uh, any plans that he might have and, uh, and, and says, you know, hey, I, I just want this one. Does that sound familiar to people today? They just going to act on what they want to act on, uh, you know, and uh, they, no thought of goals or plans or anything like that. And uh, so our culture doesn't make a, a decision based on principle. We usually make decisions based on pleasure. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. If it tastes good, I'm going to eat it, uh, you know, and, and if it tastes good, I might drink it, you know, or smoke it or inhale it or inject it, you know, that's what people do. 
It makes them feel good. And so they make those decisions on pleasure and not on conviction. And so when we say something, here, here's another thing we do. We, we typically will say something like, you know what, I owe it to myself. I'm going to go get this extra ice cream. I mean, one night, one night before I had a medical procedure the next day, I got a second bowl of ice cream. I told Pastor Kathy, I said, I deserve it tonight. You know, and, and uh, you know, but, but when we do that, I mean, we're kind of saying, you know, uh, I owe this to myself. You can go down a slippery slope. I mean, it would have been real easy for me to get two bowls the next day. I mean, I like that stuff, you know. I mean, it, you know, but we'll say I owe it to myself. And, and you know, and, and so you, you keep saying that kind of stuff. And, and so what will happen a lot of times is say, you know, I can do it just once. I can have one drink when you know one turns to 20 or more. And, uh, and so you, you, you say, I can do it just this one time. You know, you're diabetic. I can eat this piece of pecan pie with ice cream on top of it once. And, uh, you know, and, and no, you can't because it causes you problems. You see, we'll often say stuff like that. So but let me ask you this. You say it's just a little bit, but let me ask you a question. We, we've been on, I've been on a couple of cruises with Pastor Kathy. Never been on a cruise till she talked me into it. But, but we kind of like them. But, but, you know, here's the thing. What if you're out on that cruise in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and the captain comes on and says, Ladies and gentlemen, we don't want you to be alarmed, but we have a leak. Uh, we have a leak. We've sprung a leak. But don't worry, it's a little leak. Uh, you know, it's not a big one. Uh, you know, would you feel comfortable about that? No, because a small leak will sink a boat as, as good as a big leak. It's just the matter of time that it takes. And you can do small little bad choices, self-indulgent choices, and pretty soon they get worse and worse and multiplies and all of a sudden, it catches up to you. You're weakened in your spirit, and you go, what happened to me? So to be strong in spirit, write this down, I have got to discipline my desires. I mean, if any area of your life that's undisciplined will eventually catch up to you. And so you've got to discipline your desires. They're good. Desires are good, but they've got to be disciplined. And, uh, and so look what Peter said. Since Christ suffered physically... You too must strengthen yourselves in the same way of thinking that he had. So we've got to strengthen ourselves in the way that Jesus thought. Because whoever suffers physically is no longer involved with sin. From now on then, you must live the rest of your earthly lives, underline this, controlled by God's will and not by human desires. So we're to live our life based on what we know God wants us to do and not what my physical desires want. And so that's what Paul said when he said uh, in Romans 12, where he was talking about make yourself a living sacrifice. You're sacrificing your desires for what God's desires are. And as you do that, he's going to change your desires to where they become his desires. And so you've got to understand that. So we've got to discipline our desires, and we've got to live a life controlled by God's will and not by human desires. The second thing attitude that uh, Samson had is resentment will weaken your spirit. This was the second trap he fell into and resentment and seeking revenge will always weaken you spiritually. And in chapter 15, you see that basically Samson lived in a continual uh, attitude of anger. He was always angry. He was resentful. He was bitter and he was seeking revenge. And uh, I mean, he was a very angry angry man. And you don't want a guy that is basically strong like Samson being 
an angry, angry guy. When he felt mistreated or he felt misunderstood or he didn't get his way, he reacted violently. He didn't just say, I don't like that. He killed people. He killed, a, he killed 30 men over a bet so he could give their clothes to a guy he lost a bet to. I mean, he reacted in a, in a violent rage. He was, he was a, and he had this victim mentality. He was, always, he was always acting like I'm the one being wronged. And, and, uh, and so, as a matter of fact, in, in Judges 15, 11, it, it says Samson replied. They, they said 3,000 men of Judah came down to get Samson at the cave in the rock of Edom and said to him, don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? Why are you doing this? And Samson replied, I only did to them what they did to me. See, that's the attitude that Samson had, that, that, and, and that revenge, that, that resentment will, will hurt you. How many times have we struggled with that kind of an attitude? I mean, do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like life's against you, like everybody's, somebody, doesn't, somebody doesn't smile when you walk past them and go, well, they must not like me. And they ain't got you on their mind. They're thinking about something else. I mean, I've had that happen to me. If, if technology's not working and I'm walking past you and you say, hey, Pastor Robert, and I don't respond, it's because I'm thinking that stinking computer back there is not working. And, uh, you know, and, and, and something like that. Or Steve popped a string. I don't know. And, you know, and I mean, he doesn't get, he's not real nice when he pops a string. So, you know, don't just look at me like I'm the only bad guy here. You know, Steve, come on, help me out, buddy. You know, but, uh, but you know, I mean, he, Samson was that way, and we, we've all felt that way. We felt like we're the victims sometimes, like, like people are out to get us. And I mean, Samson reacted really badly when he didn't get his way. Let me ask you this. Who's hurt you that you're holding on to it tonight, maybe? Just think about that. while we're. You know, who's hurt you that you're still holding on to that, maybe? You know, we all get hurt in life. You can't live in a broken world like we live in and not get hurt at some point. Samson's mistake, write this down, was he reacted instead of acting. He reacted instead of acting. And there's a difference. Reaction is where you kill 30 men because you lost a bet. Acting would be where you don't kill 30 people uh, because you lost a bet. Resentment and revenge is always self-defeating. It will always hurt you more than it does other people. Always will. Look at, look at what a uh, couple of verses here. Job 5.2 says this, to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish and senseless thing to do. So when you're, when you're full of resentment, he's saying you're basically foolish. It's a foolish thing to do because it harms you and, and it'll destroy you. And, and look what verse, chapter 18 of Job, verse 4 says, you're only hurting yourself with your anger. I mean, underline that, circle it, highlight it. Remember it. Memorize it. You only hurt yourself with your anger. Will, and he goes, will the earth be deserted because you're angry? It's like, I mean, really? Do you think it makes a difference? You're angry. It's going to make a difference in the world. Will God move mountains just to satisfy you because you're angry? No. He says, you're only hurting yourself. And the, and the thing is, the person you're angry at says, going on about life, and they don't even know that you're angry. They're going on. See, the anger, you're the one the anger hurts. Your anger doesn't doesn't hurt the other people. I mean, it's kind of like drinking poison and hoping that it kills the person you're mad at. Or, 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 or pointing a gun at yourself and hoping the recoil will hit the other person and kill them. I mean, you know, how dumb is that? But that's our mindset sometimes. And, and we hold on to that resentment. And so write this down. To be strong in the spirit, I must control 
my reactions. I must control my reactions. How do we get self-control? Through the Holy Spirit of God gives you the power to have self-control. When you're pressing in, the Holy Spirit does that. See, you, you've got to not only discipline your desires, but you've got to control your reactions. The Bible says that a person that cannot, that can control his reactions, will be stronger than a walled city. And in the old days, if you had a city with a good wall around it, people couldn't conquer you. I mean, look at the Great Wall of China. If you don't think walls work, it did. China's still around, you know. And, and so you had these walls. He said those who can't control their reactions are defenseless as a city without walls. So when we are constantly losing our temper like Samson was, we're defenseless. So to be strong in the spirit, I've got to control my reactions. Proverbs 29, 11, this is a verse that used to describe me all the time, the part that says, a fool gives full vent to his anger. I got tired of being a fool, so I let the Lord change that. He changed that when he came into my life. But a wise man keeps himself under control. And so we want to, how many of you want to be wise? So we've got to, we got to control our reactions. The, you know, and, uh, so the third thing, Here's carelessness weakens your spirits. Carelessness. We, this, this will keep you off, catch you off guard and sap your strength all at the same time. Judges 16, 1 through 20. Anytime you get careless with your time, your health, your money, your words, you're heading in the wrong direction. Anytime you get careless with your commitments, like you make them and don't keep them, you're headed in the wrong direction. Samson had amazing physical strength, which was given to him by God it was, a, it was a result of a commitment he made. Samson made a commitment that he would be a Nazarite. I mean, he, didn't, he had to eat a certain diet, he didn't drink alcohol, and he never cut his hair. And, uh, and so his strength was because of that commitment. And, and so, you know, uh, people made that vow to show God how much they loved him, to be above reproach and to say, God, we love you this much. We're going to keep these, these things going. But Samson got careless with that vow. He chose a lifestyle that pulled him away from God. He made it, but he didn't keep it. And a lot of people make commitments, but don't keep them today as well. And uh, he, didn't, he didn't keep his commitment, and, and he toyed with temptation. You know, let me tell you, anytime you toy with temptation, see, I love the, the Lord's Prayer says, lead me not into temptation. didn't say, help me be strong in temptation. It says, don't get me around temptation. The prayer of Jabez, Jabez said, Lord, keep me away from temptation. I don't, I don't want to be near it. There's nowhere in Scripture where it really talks about being strong in temptation. It says flee temptation. We're to get away from temptation. And, and, and here was uh, Samson toying with temptation, and it eventually got him. It's like he's living, how close can I get to the fire and not get burned? And, and, and you get all of a sudden, you take that other little half step over there, and you got burned up, and that's what happened to Samson. People, people live this way. It's like, it's like, you know, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. I know I shouldn't date that person because they're not a Christian, but I'm going to date them. I know I shouldn't spend this money on this, but I'm going to do it. And listen, just because you can afford it and just because they're cute don't mean, you know, you should do those things. And, and we've got to learn to do what God wants us to do. They, the people want to see how close we can get to fire and not get burned. And that's not the way God wants us to live. He wants us to get as far away from the fire as we can and closer to him and live for him. Let me tell you, I guarantee you, you will be happier the closer you are to the Lord. So in chapter 16, Samson meets Delilah. 
I mean, she's so wicked, you don't see people naming their children Delilah. I mean, Samson meets Delilah, and, uh, and, 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 and he wants her. Get her for me. His enemies pay her to find out the nature of his great strength. And you know the story. She's asking him this. He knows what she's doing. And he's toying with her. And he says, well, you know, if you tie me up with seven bowstrings, I'll be weak as anybody. And so she does that while he's sleeping. And then uh, she says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he just breaks the strings and, and you know, they run away and all that. And, and so he's, he's toying with her. And, and then, um, you know, she, she keeps after it. And the second time, he, he said, well, if you tie me up with new rope, I'll be weak. No, same thing happened. He busted the rope like it was string. And then, then the third time, he says, if you'll braid my hair. Now, I want you to look at this. He said, if you'll braid my hair, I'll be as weak. So when they came, he just jumped up and took care of business again. But look, he's getting closer to what really is the source of his strength. You see, he's toying with it, and the enemy is getting him weaker and weaker because he's getting weaker, and he's getting weaker spiritually. Spiritually, he's getting weaker. He's toying with that temptation. And finally, and finally, you know, she says, uh, you know, you're just toying with me, and I need to know. If you really loved me, you would tell me. You know, I mean, I, I want you to think, you know, Samson was was uh, toying with that temptation, and I, I believe there's probably some people in this room you toy with temptations. It might be to cheat on your taxes. It, it might be to, to you going into work late or whatever, you know. And, and we toy with things. We take little bitty steps that eventually can hurt us. And, uh, and so we don't want to toy with that. We want to stay as way, far away from whatever it is that would be a temptation uh, as we can. You may think you can get away with it. You may think you can look at things on, on TV and in movies and stuff like that that you shouldn't, but you cannot get away with it. You're setting yourself up for a fall. Satan has lied to you and you've bought the lie if you think you can get away with it. So Delilah persisted. She asked him to share the secret of his strength. And here's... Here's where it went. Delilah pouted. She pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you won't even share your secrets with me? You've made me, you've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared his strength with her. See, he got too close to the fire. He got over here and he got burned. He shared his secret with him. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was, I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would be as weak as anyone else. He finally gave in. And, and his lifestyle of compromise after compromise after compromise had so weakened him that he thought it couldn't happen to him. We saw a message today on that where a, a pastor was talking about people that think it can't happen to them, and it does. We need to always know there, but by the grace of God is me. But see, Samson gives in, and, and uh, you know, he, he falls. He thought he was too strong for it, and he wasn't. And, uh, and, and listen, nobody ever plans to fail spiritually. Nobody plans to, to fail as a spouse or a parent or as a husband or a worker. They don't plan to fail in their business. But they make little decisions that chip away at that and weaken them and, uh, and so that's what happens. People don't fall off the cliff overnight. It begins small, and it adds up. It, you know, it's like you don't read your word every day. 
You don't pray every day. I miss today, it'll be all right. And it will be until you miss tomorrow and the next day or the next day. And then you don't go to church. And then you don't go to, to where you're fellowshipping with other people. And you get out here and get weak. And, and as Pastor Kathy says, the banana that gets away from the bunch gets peeled. And you get over here, you get weak, and you're going to be like Samson, and you're going to get burned. You're going to get burned. You know, chain is only as strong as its weakest link. So what is your weakest link? You need to figure that out because to be stronger, you've got to strengthen that area. You're only as strong, write this down, as what you're committed to. So we're fixing to look at the habits that will help us turn this around. Proverbs 18.20 says this, you have to live with the consequences of everything you say. Think about that one for a minute. You got to live with the consequences of everything you say. Actually, you got to live with the consequences of what you do, everything you do, and everything you think, and uh, and all of that. And and you know, when you think you're say that you can get away with it this time, you're just setting yourself up for failure. So, what's the solution? To be spiritually strong, I've got to develop some good habits. Write that down. And, uh, and so today, you can turn that around. Uh, we've just been quarantined for you. I was talking to somebody on the phone. I said, you realize it's been, she goes to this church. She watches on Facebook. I said, you realize it's been a year and like a month and, and so many days since we've seen you. And she said, I know it, I know it. She said, I've, and I've lost weight, you know. And <laughs> I did too for a few months, <laughs> you know. But, but, you know, here's the thing, you know. We've got to develop these good habits, and, and we want to change these habits. So number one, I want you to do this. Spend God, spend time with God every day. Because you see, coming out of this quarantine, we, we get isolated. We can get weak. We can get weak. Facebook's good, and I'm so thankful we have that technology. But let me tell you something. I get energized being around you guys. And, and so spend time with God every day. Spend, spend some time with God every day of your life from today on. If you, if you hadn't been doing that, decide today. You know what? I'm going to do my first 15 tomorrow. Five minutes of praise, five minutes of prayer, five minutes of reading the Word. If you read the daily, uh, the daily um, Bible, the one-year Bible, the daily readings in it, that'll take you about five, six, seven minutes. And, uh, you know, and so read that. And, uh, and so read that. Develop that quiet time. You spend time in worship, prayer, and reading the Word. Here's why you need to do that. Psalms 25.4 says, Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. You're not going to see Him pointing the road to you to follow if you're not spending time with Him in His Word and in prayer and in worship with Him because you're not going to be there to hear Him. You're not going to be there to hear Him. He said, I mean, you've, if you're going to look for guidance, you've got to spend time with Him. You know, and, uh, and, and so uh, we've got to spend that time every day. I think you need to spend time all day, uh, you know, and, and uh, I'm trying to develop more uh, God awareness for people I see out and about, you know, while I'm driving even, uh, just to, to pray for them and, and things. But, but we've got to spend that time, whether you're a morning person or a night person, I don't, doesn't matter, but you spend that time with God every day. And, and, and so get alone by yourself. Here's, here's kind of what it looked like. Jesus, in Luke 5, 16, often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus got off by himself 
and pray. Do you think if Jesus needed to do that, we need to do that? And so you need to find yourself a place where you can be alone. Uh, Susanna Wesley had about 15 kids, and she would throw her apron over her head, and all her kids knew when Mama had the apron over her head, you don't mess with Mama. She's talking to God. She might be talking to God about you, you know. I mean, I don't know what their thought processes were, but, but you can do what you can. You might have to get up 15 minutes earlier and, uh, or stay up 15 minutes after somebody else goes to bed, whatever. You spend that time and, uh, and, and do that. Jesus withdrew. And so here's what will happen when you do this. When you spend that daily time with God, John 15, 7, Jesus said this, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, and they will if you're spending that time, they will if you're spending that time. You may ask anything you want, and it will be granted. You can ask anything you want, and it'll be granted. You know why you can ask anything you want? Because when you're spending time with Jesus, he changes your want-tos. You stop wanting the six numbers that'll win you the money on the Powerball. You stop wanting that new car, and you st- you, it changes your want-tos. And, uh, and so, but when you remain in him and his words you'll see your prayers starting to get answered. That's one of the keys. Second, second habit we can do is look at this. Get together with other believers every week. Get together with other believers every week. And, uh, you know, none of this stuff's new, it's, it's, it, but it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know this. Why do we need to be with other believers? Look at Hebrews 10.25. He said, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So he says, let's not neglect the habit of meeting together. It's a habit they had. They met together uh, on a regular basis. He said, let's don't neglect it like some did, but let's, let's meet together. And what do we do? We encourage each other, and, uh, and we, we cheer each other on. Well, man, we ought to be cheerleading each other, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and, and encouraging people to do that, that, that habit of meeting together. You know, I don't know if, if any of y'all have ever camped. I know some of you do. And If you build a fire, but even if you have a fire pit in your yard or whatever, and if you have that fire with a, that wood on there and you pull one out and set it over here, it may burn for a minute, but it's going to burn out. It's not going to burn up. It'll burn out. And, uh, and so that's what happens when we separate ourselves. And that's what's happened to a lot of believers in this past year, even with the technology because they've separated away from that fire. You get away from that excitement. You get away from the other logs that are on fire. You see, my log might not be burning bright, and I get around y'all, and y'all are like torches, and it lights me up. Or you, maybe you're having a bad day, and, and, and our torches light you up. And, and, but you, over here, you just kind of burn out, not up. And, and so we want to be like that fire. We want to be in a fire. Fellowship uh, keeps us on fire. But when you're alone... You can think crazy things and you get weak in your spirit. We need to be around other believers. Now, here's kind of what that could look like. Acts 5.42, uh, it says this, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach the message, Jesus is the Messiah. Every, every uh, day in the temple. Now, we're not going to start having church every day, so don't, 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 nobody panic. But you're in the temple, you're in the temple courts tonight. You're, in, you're at the church. And it said also from house to house. And so we have the small groups on Mondays, and we have one on Tuesday, and we have one that meets once a month on Saturday. Those are, those are the, that house to house thing where you, you get more intimate and you, and, and you do that. 
And, uh, and so that's what the church did. And, uh, and so this, that, that's kind of how it looks. And so here's what happens when you do this. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, said this in Ecclesiastes. He said, two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. How many of you want some help succeeding? And if you're successful, how many of you know you should be helping somebody else succeed? You know, all of us in that, we, we, you know, two can succeed better than one. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help him. But if someone falls alone, they're in real trouble. They're in real trouble. I don't know if you've ever uh, been doing yard work. I hate yard work. I'm out in the backyard. I'm by myself, you know, and, and uh, I got fences around my, you know, backyard. Nobody can even see in. And, man, I twist my ankle off in a hole, you know. And so I'm laying on the ground, lawnmower quits over here, you know. I'm, like, seeing stars and everything. Nobody's there. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to die and nobody will know it, you know, until neighbors smell something. I don't know. But, but, you know, I mean, I'm laying there seeing stars. I got a collie licking me in the face, you know. She's trying to help. But her hot breath is not helping. But, you know, uh, but, you know, I mean, when you're alone, there's nobody there to help you. And so two are always better. Three are even better than that. And so we need to understand that. Third thing I want you to know, habit we need to do, is give a tithe to the Lord every week. Somebody said, oh, man, there he goes, talking about money. Tithing is a habit, and it's a habit of giving the first 10% of what God blesses you with back to God. That's what a tithe is. He says, give me my tithe. That's what, what he's given. He blesses us. He wants that 10% back. And so when we do that, we're saying, Jesus, you're first in my life. Here's, what, here's the basis of that. The Bible tells us this in Deuteronomy. He said, bring this tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place he shall choose as his sanctuary. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, oil, firstborn of flocks and herds. It's the firstborn. It's the first 10%. The purpose, and here's what I want you to highlight, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. God doesn't need our money, but when I give him my money, I'm saying, Lord, you're first in my life. Now, I do it online, but I know people uh, that say, I want to feel it leaving my hand. I want to physically give it to God. And, and so however you do it, you're, you're saying, Jesus, I'm putting you first in my life. So is God first in your life? And I would say, you know, I had somebody ask me one time, did your checkbook show it? And I went, well, yeah, it does. Because <laughs> my mama taught me real well. So, how, how, you know, how do, how do we do this? What does it look like? Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said, on the first day of each week, each of you should put aside a portion of money you've earned. Don't wait till I get there and then try and collect it. So we put, a, we put aside that portion. That's why we take up an offering in church, you know, uh, uh, somebody asked, said when we did our Good Friday service, they said, are we getting ready to take up an offering? And, uh, you know, and, and of course, you don't really have church if you don't take up an offering. It's just like you don't have a wedding if you don't have wedding cake. Isn't that kind of the same? I don't know. But he said on the first day of the week, you should put aside a portion of your money you've earned and give it. And so that's proportional giving. You know, if you make a lot, you give a lot because it's proportional. If you make a little, you give a little. It's proportional. You gave the same. It hurt you the same. It helped you the same. But here's the thing. Here's what happens when we do this. Malachi said this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, all of the tithe to the storehouse. He said, so there will be enough food in my temple. In other words, all the bills of the, of the church get, get met. He said, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. 
I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Then he says, try it. Most translations say, test me. Put me to the test. This is the only place in Scripture where God says, test me. I've known people that said, you know what, I'm going to try it. And they got more work and made more money. And then they upped their tithe. And then they got more work and made more money and upped their tithe. And, and, uh, and so we even had a guy, and in, in, uh, one time we had a tenant. He'd been in jail. He went to j- jail for robbing banks. And, uh, but he would rob banks. He, he thought he was getting a big settlement. And he robbed banks, and, uh, and he would tithe to the church he was going to off those bank robbers. And, and I, 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 I said, look, I'm not sure the principle of tithing works on bank robbery money. He said, I don't know. I only got 18 months for four bank robberies. I said, well, maybe it does. You know, I mean, you, know you can get 40 years for each one of those, you know. But, but uh, you know, so uh, I, I'm not saying you need to go out and rob a bank to tithe, but we want to bring the tithe into the storehouse. And here's what God says. I'll make sure that you have more than enough. There's been times when I, I had a choice. And it distinctly, and I, I talk about this because it, it was a line that got drawn for me in the sand. I either could pay my house note or pay my tithe. And it was that close for me at that time, many, many years ago before Pastor Kathy straightened me out. And, uh, and so um, I chose to tithe. And I, wasn't gonna, I was going to be late on my house note, and I don't like to do that. And I uh, got a call from somebody saying, hey, look, I need you to refinish some cabinets. Would you do that for me? I don't have time. I said, I don't know how to refinish cabinets. I'll show you. And paid me more than enough to make up the difference to do that. Now, nobody put a grocery bag of money on my porch, but I made enough to do some extra work to do That was God doing that because he says, I will open up the floodgates of heaven. And so we need to do that. So let me wrap this up and land this plane. Uh, I want you to think about which one of these weaknesses are you most likely to fall into? Is it self-indulgence? Some of y'all thinking about what you're going to eat at Outback right now. Is it resentment? You got some resentment build up? Is it carelessness? What's God telling you? And here's what I know. If we'll commit, though, to these three habits, if we'll commit to these three habits, we will grow stronger in our spirits and we'll walk closer to the Lord. Are you ready to make daily time with God. Are you ready to do that? I mean, are you ready? So if you're not doing that, I know most of you are in here, but some people on Facebook, you might not be doing this. Five minutes in the Word. Five minutes in praise and worship. That's about one or two songs. And five minutes uh, in prayer. Are Are you willing to do that every day? Are you willing to connect with church every week? I'm not talking about Easter and Christmas or even Mother's Day and Maybe add one other, and I'm talking about are you willing to connect with church every week and then give a weekly tithe? I believe if you do, it'll change your life. The reason I know that it's changed mine, and I've seen it change others. Growing stronger, like I said earlier, doesn't happen by accident. It requires you to commit to it. Ephesians 6.10 said, Paul said this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So we want you to be strong. 2021. I want you to get stronger every single week. I want you to bow your heads. You can't do this on your own. If there's somebody in this room you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to. If you're watching on Facebook, I want to give you an opportunity to commit your life to Jesus Christ because that will make all the difference.
in your life. You've got to understand that Jesus loves you. He came. He died on a cross. He paid the price for your sins. But you have to react to that. You've got to choose to allow him into your life. I can't do any of these things without Jesus in my life. And I would fall for everything Samson fell for without Jesus in my life. So if if maybe you're listening to me tonight and you're here, you've never said, Lord, I really need you as my Savior, my personal Savior. I want you to pray with me. Dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, come into my life. Be the Savior of my life. Forgive me of all my sin. Be the Lord of my life. That means, Jesus, I give you control. Lead me in the ways you want me to live. Give me the power to follow you, God, so I can live with you forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And maybe you're here tonight, and you need to start these habits. Maybe you need to say, you know what? I had not been spending every single day in the Word of God, to, I'm, and I'm going to start today. And I'm going to go get my Bible out. I'm going to get the, the devotional book we, we give you. It's free for you. It's got a reading plan in the back. You can read the Word where it goes through in a year. I'm gonna get a one, we'll sell you a one-year Bible for what we paid for. If we've got any left, but... I'm going to get that, and I'm going to start reading the Word, and I'm going to start praying, and I'm going to start praising God every day. Maybe that, maybe that's you, or, or maybe you're saying, hey, you know what? I've been kind of, for the last year, been out of church, and as soon as my COVID shot is cleared, then I'm going to be back every week. I'm going to commit to being back every week. And I know we got people watching that are saying, you know what? Two weeks after my last shot, I'm coming back. You want to connect with other Christians. You may be here tonight or listening. And you've just, you've not done what God has asked you to do in tithing. I believe we can tithe our time. I believe we can tithe our our talent. You see these band members are donating their time and talent. I believe we can tithe our money. Maybe you hadn't been doing that, but you're saying, you know what? I'm going to take this commitment. I'm going to. I'm going to start spending time with God every day. I'm going to be in church every week, and I'm going to start a tithe. And so, Father, I just pray for those that that's where they're at. God, I pray that you would help them to do those three habits, develop those three habits. And, God, I pray you'd revolutionize their lives like you have mine, like you have my wife's, like you have others in this room. That, God, you would just it'd just be awesome at what you do. So, God, we thank you that you'll do that. Shifting gears just for a moment, Lord, we, you know we have many people in our church that are sick. And so, Lord, we pray for those who are in the hospital. We pray for those who've had surgery. We pray for those fighting cancer. Lord, we just, we just pray for uh, those who are coming to the end of their life. God, that you would strengthen them. We pray more than anything that they would be ready to see you. Lord, while they're alive, we pray for you to heal them. I pray you'd heal them in a way that would cause their families to come to know you. So God, we just lift them up. And we pray just your supernatural work in their lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you for coming. We're going to sing a song before we go out.
and I think, aren't we? And uh, we're glad you came. Invite somebody back Sunday. Uh, we're going to be doing the series we're doing is Love Reigns, and Sunday is about, I don't know if, if you realize this, but God's love will wipe out all that negative in your past. Those hurts, those pains, that shame that we carry. So you got, you probably know people got stuff. How many of you know some people with issues? Okay, invite them because God wants to take care of their issues. And that's what we're going to be talking about Sunday. God bless you. Let's sing. I'm sure.